0: Stories at the intersection of
1: Welcome to Music Life Radio. I'm your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com and features interviews and stories about and related to music. Today on the program, we talk to Speed Vincent from the modern rock band Silver Tongue. Silver Tongue's recently released a new version of their song, Never Too Late, produced by David Ivory and mastered by Ted Jensen, and it just hit the Billboard mainstream rock charts. We talk to Speed about how he got into music, how he formed Silver Tongue, and we talk about their latest album, Devils in the Details. And Speed shares lots of great stories about the band, the road, and making great music. Sit back and relax to another episode of Music Life Radio, this one entitled, Silver Tongue with Speed Vincent. Music Speed Vincent from Silver Tongue, welcome to Music Life Radio, we're glad to have you on the program today.
2: Thank you so much, Dan. We really do appreciate this. Thank you so much.
1: What we like to do is start at the beginning. So where did you grow up and what kind of music were you influenced by as a child? You know, what kind of music were your parents listening to? Um,
2: Actually, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Some of the music that I grew up on was like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. I had uncles that, you know, made me listen to like the 80s stuff and the 70s stuff. So I have some of that influence as well. Unfortunately, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't born in that era, so I didn't. I never had that opportunity to get a good vision of that era. But it was, it was very cool to like listen to some of the stuff, like uh, Skid Row and Van Halen and, and Led Zeppelin, and you know, of course, David. One of David's favorites, Kiss. You know, I got a chance to listen to those guys growing wow. up. Um, but most of my influences and and most of the band's influences come from, you know, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Godsmack. Chevelle, Breaking <laughs> <Rick> Benjamin, <laughs> a lot of those bands right there. My parents actually, um, my parents had a wide range. My dad was a big Johnny Cash fan. Oh, nice. My mom, my mom was a big country fan, a big Elvis fan. But she, you know, she likes some of the stuff from the eighties. And I had I have one sister who grew up in the eighties, so she um she kind of was an influence a lot of that stuff on me as well. But she was more into the dance stuff. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> now, when did you first pick up singing or did you pick up the guitar first?
2: Friends of mine had a band in the neighborhood, and it's kind of how it always starts off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, they were looking for a guitar player, and I, I'd never played guitar before, but I've always been fascinated by guitar. So, I, you know, I, I played for a couple of weeks and went down to my audition, and I got the job. So I was <laughs> like, wow, okay, this is really cool. So I played guitar for about four or five years um, for, ba- for different bands growing up and then one band I got into the guitar players were just smoking they were great guitar players and um, we made an agreement that you know whoever was the worst out of us three would go buy a bass the next day and become the bass player <laughs> so of course I was the worst one out of us <laughs> and I, would, I, I ended up being the bass player which, which was kind of cool um, except our singer didn't really have a very good stage presence yeah. So I would always run up to the mic and start yelling at the crowd you know, getting, and <laughs> getting people into us. And everybody kept saying, you know, your stage performance is more for a singer. So in about 2021, 20, 20, I think it was, I um decided to try vocals. And, and I, I sang for a couple of bands and I filled up, with, filled up with some friends and I took some lessons. And after a while, I just, you know, I wanted to do my own thing. So I started up Silvertongue and, and got some things rolling.
1: <laughs> oh, very good. So you actually uh, formed up Silver
2: Tongue? Yes, 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 I did. Um, it didn't work out the first couple of rounds. Um, I just couldn't find the guys that were dedicated enough and kind of had the same vision that I did. And um, a lot of the guys that I, I, I always lied about my age so that I could, you know, jam with the older guys. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't, they didn't like us kids. So, uh, you know, I was always like, well, you know, hey, you know, I'm like, I'm 22. <laughs> <laughs> I am seventeen years old. <laughs> you guys are like, yeah, okay, cool, you know. And um, I, I so I, I did all that for a, for a while, and then, um, like I said, I formed Silver Tongue, and it just didn't work out the way I wanted it to at first. And so I, I shelved it for a while, and I did a bunch of side projects, and, and I got more into the writing aspect of things, and and some of the business. And um, I was filling in with a lot of friends, you know, doing vocals and. Um, I just got that urge that I wanted to get back into it. And my bass player, Scoot, answered my ad. And from there, it went to Dano, and we went to a few guitar players, and now we have Code Red with us, and <laughs> the rest is history.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely. And, yeah, moving up on the charts and stuff. It's nice.
2: Yes, we're, we're very, very excited about that. I mean, it's, um, to watch your, your music, I, I guess some people maybe, maybe they don't understand this, but to, to see something that you created sitting on your couch yeah you know that's it's amazing you know I wrote that song um well, not really on my couch I actually sat it in my on a chair on my com- with my computer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's where I actually wrote it
2: from <laughs> but it was it was a blast, you know, and then this wasn't even a song we even thought about, even back in September, uh, scoot and I did an interview and it ended up being about this song, which that wasn't really where the interview was going, but for some odd reason it ended up being about the song and then two months later, um we get a call from. From our publicist and he said there's a gentleman by the name of David Ivory's who wants you to come in the studio and redo your song Never Too Late. And we were like you talking about David Ivory's Hailstorm David Ivory's that guy right?
0: Yeah. He's like
2: yes. So we were like you know of course we're not going to go nah 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 we're going to pass. You know, so <laughs> we jumped in you know we jumped in with, with every little bit of experience we had and come to find out we got more experience and we're better writers than we thought we were, but we also learned that we weren't as good as writers as we thought we were, (laughs) but it was a great, it was a great experience. I mean, David's, David's just a great producer. He he did a lot with us with that song. And, you know, it was just amazing because, you know, the things, the things that we did change, it, it, it just made the song even better. And, you know, and that's always a good thing. You can when you can be humble enough to take what you put your pride into and just go in the studio and just let someone else tinker with it and come out with something even better than what you had. I mean, that was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, what what would be an example of something that he helped out with on that song, and specifically
2: a couple of melody lines that um, that he liked. Uh, instead of going doing it the old way, he liked certain melody lines, and and so did we after we heard them. He, he was good to work with because he wasn't just like, this, this is my way and I'm doing it this way. And this is how we're going to do it. And that's it. You know, he listened to what we had to say and we worked really, really well as a team. And, and it was only on one song, but it, it's still working on one song. And we worked on the song for a, probably a good four months before wow. we ever, you know, before we actually got it out there to, to, to get, and then the big kicker of all that, um, and I didn't know, you know, this was my ignorance, you know, and they brought, they, they brought the song to us and they were like, this is what we're going to do with it. And David said, I want to have Ted Jensen master the song. So I'm like, Ted Jensen, you know, and he paused a minute and I'm like, okay, and he goes, Google it. So I get my <laughs> phone and I Google it and blown away, completely blown away. This, this gentleman I remember my uncles listening to some of the songs that he has touched and mastered, like Hotel California, the Beatles catalog, Alice in Chains. You know, one of our biggest, then you know, one of our biggest influences. To hear Ed Sheeran wants to master that song was like mind-boggling. You know, because we're sitting here going, "Man, we're just a little band out of Baltimore," and this dude has been like, you know, worldwide. This is like one of the best, if not the best, mastering producers out there.
1: Well, you know you're in a good place when that's happening.
2: Yes. I mean, I, I think we're still, we're still trying to gather it all in. You know, with the charts, the way the charts are working, everything that we've gone through the last couple of months, I mean, we, we've become much better writers. We're already writing new stuff, and it, we can see where our education has come from you know, that, that trip here to with David has really helped us grow as, as writers. And when you're in a band, you just want to play, you want to play aggressive, you want to play the stuff you like. And, and you, that's worked for us, you know, for the last four or five years. And then you get into with a real producer, like, like David Ivory's and, you know, he hammers things and he tells you, no, 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 no," like there's certain notes in this song. I'm going, there's no way I'm hitting that note, dude. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're going to hit that note. You can do it. I can hear it. You can do it. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not hitting that note. I'm telling you. Lo <laughs> so, and behold, I hit the note more yeah. than once. <laughs> so it was a great time, you know, it was, it, it was really cool. It was, um, here again, it was, it was an experience, you know, and, and we got a lot of education. And like I said, we're writing now again for new stuff because we're so excited about the things we did learn. Now we want to implement them. Oh. So we're well, having a great time with it. <laughs>
3: Don't lie when you slide it Don't close your eyes, you might miss the show you started It's your time to change those fears you're hiding down
1: your vocals you said you did take some lessons have you continued to take lessons to you know enhance your range and stuff or you'd be pretty much locked into the style and feel that you want i mean you have a extremely powerful voice and i imagine it would take you know some good vocal warm-ups and things what's the most important thing that you've learned from your lessons
2: um well, well thank you very much for saying that I, I really do appreciate that i took my first set of vocal lessons i took it from a jazz opera style vocal teacher she was great except i started to adapt that oh, sure. and i started to get lost of where i really wanted to go so i kind of veered from it i just used the warm-ups and i used the scales and i did all the normal things that every other singer probably does and then here recently within about the last year or so um we, w- we were playing with a band called Kicks, and uh, my uncles and them used to love them they were like great ba- they were a great yeah, bands back in the pennsylvania,
1: day pennsylvania i think Kicks, KIX, is that what you're
2: talking uh, about? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Steve Whiteman and those guys. Yeah,
1: I saw those and, guys um, a long time
2: ago. Yep. Yeah, I mean and they're still kicking it. They're they're still I mean, they're still amazing. And uh, I found out that Steven was a vocal teacher. So about a year yeah. ago, I, I made the phone call and you know, and I said I said, Hey man, this is Steve from Silvertown. You know, I want me to get lessons with Steve Whiteman and the guy signed me up and um, Steve called me. And he said, he said, let me get it straight. He said, is this speed from Silvertone? And I went, yeah, man. I, you know, I want to come in and I want to get some lessons. He goes, what's wrong with your voice? <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: And I said, I'm not sure. And he goes, well, from what I've heard, and you've played with us quite a few times, yeah. I don't hear anything wrong with your voice. I said, well, I, I, want, I want to broaden my range. And he said, well, I can help you with that. Yeah. So I, you know, I went in and, and he, you want to talk about a great vocalist. I mean, this guy is just, he's, he's a great, he's, he's a great vocalist. He's a great teacher. Um, I had one really, really long lesson with him. He said, this is all you're going to need. Yeah. He said, you continue to do this, do everything you have been doing. Cause we went over everything that I do. And you know, we went over diets and, and certain things you don't want to eat during that, the course of, of your show, you know, before beforehand, you don't want to eat any kind of dairy products. And alcohol, you know, you don't want to drink before the show, which, we, you know, we don't anyway. We don't drink before our show. We'll, we'll drink after the show, you know, which I know for a fact that, you know, alcohol will, you know, will put a strain on your vocal cords.
1: Oh, sure. Tighten them up probably.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. We talked for probably about an hour or so and um, gave me some really good advice and gave me some lessons. And he just said, you know, you keep doing that and you will broaden your range. And he was right. And, and I have broadened my range.
1: Oh, that's a great story. Very nice. Thanks for sharing that one. Oh, thank you. What makes your music stand out, in your opinion, from uh, other bands in your genre?
2: A lot of our friends that are, that are coming out, that are, that are coming up on the radio, and they're, you know, they're ahead of us, and, 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 you know, and we support those guys. You know, We love those guys to death. We just don't sound like everyone else. You know, there, there's a lot of bands that are coming out today, and, and everyone's kind of sounding the same. Um, they have a certain format that they follow or certain... Quality of sound that they're looking for, and we just kind of go with you know with more of a mixture of seventies to now, and put a whole put a whole big twist on things. And we just I don't know we just kind of are who we are. And a lot of people you know they say they say well you know I hear I can hear some some God smacking you guys I can hear some Three Days Grace in you guys and I can hear some Pantera in you guys and then there's something that's there that I just don't hear, and I, and I always go, well, that's Silvertongue. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. little part you're not used to, that's called Silvertongue. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess maybe that's where, where we differ from a lot of bands. I mean, there's a lot of great new bands coming up, and it's a lot of competition. <laughs> wow. So I, we don't really try to sound different. We just kind of, um, this is kind of who we are. And, you know, we stick to Root things, and we stick to rawness, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just, <laughs> I guess the best way to, to describe us is, you know, we're just kind of heavy with a groove, um, with a lot of harmonies, you know, I, I think that was, that's probably about the best way to, to describe us, and I guess that's maybe where we stand out differently, is we don't try to, to follow the trends of what's happening.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can definitely hear some of those 90s influences you were talking about earlier in there. It's a very good mix of new and old.
2: Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we, 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 you know, if it wasn't for the 70s and beyond the 70s, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing because none of those boundaries would have, would have been broken at that point, you know, with bands like Zeppelin, you know, and then, then you got metal gods like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest who came out and, you know, and they just broke all new barriers and, you know, then the 80s came along, you know, one of my favorite bands from the 80s was Skid Row because of Sebastian Bach, which is a great vocalist, you know, and oh, yeah. heavy, heavy music, but it's still, you know, I don't know, that's, it's kind of weird. It's, it, we kind of listen to so many different things, even country. We listen to some country stuff, and we kind of get a lot of the feels from everything. And we just, I, I think we're just so, so into music as, as, as a whole that everything influences us. Even our fans, I mean, our, you know, our fans tell us things and I'll end up writing about it because, you know, they, they sat, they took their time to spend with us at not only coming to the show, but after the show, they spend time with us and they tell us things and, you know, they tell us about their lives. And sometimes I write about it and, and it's, it's someone that's really touched people along the way, actually.
1: Sticking on that uh, theme of music, what does music mean to you personally?
2: Music is my life. <laughs> <laughs> Music means everything because I mean, think about if you would take music away from, from everything that we have going on, there would probably be riots all over the place because one, there's no place to get your frustrations out. You know, there's no mosh pits. There's no, you know, just, it doesn't even have to be that angry song that you're listening to as you're driving down the street and, and you know, you're, you don't even realize how fast you're going. You just want to go fast because you're angry at this point. Well, you can either do that or, or beat the crap out of somebody. It's probably better to listen to the music and just take your aggressions out there. Or, you know, sappy songs that make you feel, you know, you just broke up with your girlfriend or your girlfriend broke up with you or she cheated on you or something. And we, Music is outlet. That, that's what I see music as being. It's you know I, I, There was an old saying, and I'm trying to remember exactly how it was, but, like, music is the world's language. Or something that I that I remember hearing and I mean that's true to a point, but it's music is also our, our outlet to to hear and see and, and believe in things that maybe we couldn't believe in ourselves. And you know, we get to live vicariously through some certain songs and certain bands actually. Oh
1: well, certainly. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a musician myself, nothing at the caliber that you guys are at, but uh, we like to play gigs and stuff and for me it's just a great form of therapy. It is so
2: cathartic. <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh, oh, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm a ham on stage, but you yeah. know, I'm also there to be the entertainer. Okay. So,
0: <laughs>
2: you know, I, I, growing up, I was always picked on as a, as a, as a, as a little kid. And, um, growing up, I, you know, I, I think I weighed like 150 pounds and I was in sixth grade. Yeah. So I was a pretty fat boy. You know, and I got picked on a lot Mm -hmm. in school and, and, you know, and and, and I never would, you know, I would never fight back and and it was always, you know, because I felt like I stood alone or, you know, my parents are always supportive, so, you know, I always had that, but, uh, you know, I I know what it's like to live on the other side of things and and that's why I I think I embrace what I do now um, with very humbly, should I say, because it can all be taken away tomorrow. Um, I think that's why I embrace it so much now. Is because it's you know, I know what it's like to be on the other side. I know what it's like to be that that one kid that you know you just you're always being bullied or picked on and and you know and so it's it's just growing up you know and it's uh, when you get to see the other side of things from from a lot of your hard work and a lot of your passion uh, that's you know that's me that's that's I see that and that that's what I feel and that's you know that's that's why I say music is my life you know. Uh, I live and breathe it.
1: What is your goal as a band?
2: To take over the world.
1: <laughs> world domination.
2: <laughs> That's, we, we want every country we can find, everybody that will let us come to their country or state or, or little town and let us play, we're, we're, coming, to, we're coming for you. We, we, we want we to we take over the world with, with our music.
1: What are some of your favorite gigs, or maybe just pick out one uh, that has an interesting story?
2: Um, there's probably quite a few that have interesting stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do remember the first tour we were on. Uh, we, we were on the Upload tour with uh, Got Smack Disturbed. And then I think it was uh, yeah, Got Smack Disturbed. And we were actually opening our stage with in this moment. And I remember every, every morning Maria would walk her little dogs. And I always thought that that was funny because... I mean, you know, she's, she's a very tall woman. So to see her with these little tiny dogs is kind of funny and, you know, to see her on stage and, and watch her, you know, walk her little dogs. Yeah. <laughs> was kind of weird, <laughs> but we were driving from show to show to show for 10 hour drives. And then we, we, we've been on the tour for half of the tour as, as it was. And we were getting to our last show and lo and behold, the van breaks down. <laughs> <laughs> with the trailer and my my and my drummer was asleep and we pulled off on the side of the road and he wakes up and he goes like are we there and I'm like we even close and we're broke down <laughs> <laughs> luckily one of our guys that we had that we had as a roadie who was working with us his brother didn't live too far from this area so he, his brother drove like two hours to come and get us we hooked the trailer up to his suburban I'll never forget this from, from two hours away, we drove from there to the show, got to load in on time. nobody showered, <laughs> went up on stage, did the show stepped off the, stepped off the stage, and we were just like in awe it, it was just it was a crazy it was a great tour for us. We grew a lot on that tour, but that was one of the moments that kind of sticks out in my head about you know the irony of things of how you know you hear about it. You hear about other bands doing the same thing on the road, and then when it happens to you, you're like panic mode sets in, <laughs> and everybody's like running around the van trying to figure out how to fix it, but there was just no fixing it at that point. And um, we were lucky enough that that you know that our buddy was not too far from us.
1: <laughs> so let's get into your albums. "Devils in the Details" is your latest album, and you also have uh, an independent release called I think it's called "The Pond." Is that right?
2: Mm-hmm. Correct.
1: So when did you record The Pawn?
2: Um, I started recording some of that in 2005. Didn't really care for it too much. We kept reworking it, reworking it. And I think in 2010, we did it again. We're actually going to re-record some more of those tracks because some of those tracks are still well-known by the fans, but we play them differently now.
0: Yeah, sure. So
2: we want to take them back, and we kind of want to rework them and do it again. So technically 2005, 10, and the future. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and then tell us a story about devils in the details that album how'd that come about
2: that was a that was a great experience we had a lot of fun writing that album when we started writing it two two of the songs which never too late was one of them and a song um i don't care that's on there i was actually written around the same time i wrote this stuff for the pawn okay but it, they it, they never made they never made the cd so I, I just held on to them and kept working them, kept working them. My, my bass player, Scoot, came in with a couple of songs. And I was just like, wow, you know, this is, this is different from what we're used to writing. So we kept writing different things and, and trying to experiment with different ideas. And um, I remember Dana, the drummer, he came up with this really cool riff. But, it, you know, it took like four months. After we after he wrote the riff, you know, I could say it's really cool. I like it. I like it a lot. But it just doesn't fit anything with doing yet. And then we were working with a local TV show who was just using our music, you know, as their theme music and playing it through their segments. They had scores. Who was a who was a gentlemen's strip club. They were one of the biggest sponsors. And we went down and we did some filming with them. And uh, the the host looked at me and he said, "Hey, man, do you um do you have any songs that we could, you know, for the girls, you know, when we come back the next time, I want to, you know, be able to play them a song that you know that they could dance to and do everything." I was like, "Ah, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm working on this song called She Ain't Daddy's Little Girl Anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I was writing it in the strip club while all this was going on, (laughs) which is the weirdest thing. (laughs) And four months later, I looked at my drummer, Dan, and I said, I got the song that your verse is going to fit in. Yeah, nice. (laughs) There it was.
3: She Ain't Daddy's Little Girl Anymore.
2: A lot of, lot of experiences like that. you know. Even the bass player, he would bring in some song, and you know, we wouldn't use it for like two, two or three months later, and then all of a sudden, bam, okay, we can use this. This is really, really cool. We, we, the hardest thing was coming up with a title. We had a very, very hard time.
1: What, why did you decide on, on that title, Devils in the Details?
2: I, I want to say probably three months out of the process of all this being in the studio, and I would get frustrated because I just couldn't, I couldn't find what I wanted for certain parts of the songs. And my bass player would look at me and he go, man, man, just, you know, just, just keep, keep digging until it. He said, man, it's, it's all the, de- you know, the devil's in the details. You'll find it. You'll find it.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I'm
2: like, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So this went on for months. And we, we finished this one, one of the songs um, called Burden. We finished that up and I was really, really happy with some of it. And, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I said, "This is this is this is one of my favorites right now because you know we got to twist it a little bit. We not you know everything isn't so hard and aggressive and straightforward. You know this is a little different." He goes, "Man, I keep telling you, the devil's in the details." And I went, "Enough, you know what? That's got to be the title for this album." You've said this for three months to me now, <laughs> and he started cracking up laughing. And that's honestly that's how it became. That's how it became the title of the album.
1: That's a great story on the album titles. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of names, how did you guys get your band name?
2: Um, <laughs> Silverton came along a funny way. I can tell you the X-rated version or I can tell you the G, G version.
1: We can do either um, one on this show.
2: <laughs> okay, well, I'll do the X-rated version then. All right. <laughs> we were rehearsing in my uncle's basement. We we spent all day one Saturday there and we're just we're jamming, we're writing stuff and, and we're like, man, we really need a name. You know, we got a gig coming up in three months. We really need a name. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I no. And we kept thinking, of it. we were just throwing out stupid stuff, you know, just trying to blend things together and, and nothing was working. Well, my uncle had some porn effects, you know, guys being guys.
0: Sure, yeah. He's
2: got to look at them. <laughs> so we're going through them And I found this 1970 I think it was nineteen seventies Or something VHS tape or something And and I'm looking at it And I went I think I got the name of the band And everybody was like Oh yeah what And I went Silver And I started cracking up laughing and, and everybody looked at me and went Dude That's actually pretty cool And I went It is? <laughs> and they were like Yeah dude That's actually pretty cool So So I kept looking at it, and I kept coming up with different designs for it, and I didn't like the T-O-N-G-U-E. I didn't like that. It was too long, it was too blah, it was too plain. So we did some research, and I think we found Tung was um, Korean Mafia or something like that, but I loved the way it was spelled, T-U-N-G. Sure, yeah. We put them together, and that was it.
1: Well, it looks good on a logo. It sounds good. Yeah, nice. Nice work.
2: Another, another G-rated version of that, we, we say, well, it was a <laughs> Simpsons episode.
1: <laughs> How does that relate to a Simpsons episode? Is it was it, called Tongue. Oh, it was? Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> well, good story for either audience. Uh, let's... Uh, uh, who are the guys in your band? Tell us a little bit about, about each of uh, the members and maybe, you know, something really cool about them. Maybe a little bit of a quirk, give them a kind of a human feel.
2: Okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll start with, with Scoot. You know, he's my best friend and, and he was the first one when I was, we, we were going, I was going through all the ads and everything and I was still in with other bands and, and doing stuff and, you know, and he was the first one that answered the ad. And at the time that he answered the ad, I was kind of just like, you know, I'm just gonna kind of keep doing this, making some good money, filling it with different bands. He said, "Well, why don't you send me some tracks?" So I sent him some some of the music, and I sent them a lot of the pawn stuff, actually. He called me back the next day, and he says, "Dude," he said, "You got some really good songs here." He said, "So what's the issue?" And I said, ah, "You know, I don't know, man. You know, it's really hard to, to run your own band. It's you know, it's really hard to get everything off the ground. I'm kind of filling it with all these all these bands." He goes, "No, no, 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 no." He said, "Before you decide to quit," he said. Let's give it another shot. He said, I'll come in. We'll work it. We'll, we'll do what we have to. So I was like, yeah, you know, okay, cool. So then he came in, and we kind of started running things together. And then uh, Dano came in, who was a second drummer. The first guy we had was just filling in with us. We were just playing some small local gigs. And Scoot and I always had a vision of you know, where we wanted to be and how we wanted to be with it. Scoot's kind of like the Joker of the band and he's like the the, the party guy and you know he's the, the cool guy that yeah, <laughs> he wants yeah. to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up with, with getting, you know, a drummer Dano in and, and um, us three clicked like, like it was there was no tomorrow. So we knew we had a really good foundation. And then we went to a couple of different lead guitar players and they just kinda of didn't you know, they didn't seem to work out, they just didn't kinda of fit the mold. And then um well, we got code red and and he he kind of came in and he has a different feel of things and and he's he's like this nonstop full of energy type person. <laughs> and he's like, sometimes you gotta like look at him and go enough, dude, you gotta stop. <laughs> you just gotta stop. Uh-huh. He's but he, he's but he he's probably got one of the biggest hearts that you you ever meet in, in, in a human being because he, he's you know he's he's that type of guy like with Dan it's become more business like myself and and he's you know he's all into you know numbers and let's look at this and let's make sure this is happening yeah. <laughs> so I mean that's good I mean we, we all come from come from a lot of the same background but a lot of different background and actually Cole Weather's actually he comes from, he loves Iron Maiden
1: okay he's yeah.
2: always let them. his dad got him into it and ever since then you know he's always loved Iron Maiden I mean it, of course he's influenced by a lot of the newer bands but you know he he you know, he's always told me you know if he had been born back in the day that would have been his band you know that that's <laughs> yeah. where he wanted to be <laughs>
1: <laughs> well certainly could pick a lot worse
2: oh yeah oh yeah
1: now how did he get his nickname code red
2: and he had it from a, a previous band that he was playing with so I, i'm not exactly sure how i got it we just kind of went, went off with it and we kind of liked it we were like yeah let's just keep it you know it's kind of cool like with, with me, I got mine from playing baseball. You know, I was, oh, the, fastest yeah. guy in, I was the fastest guy in the, in the league and everybody started calling me speed. So I'm like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess I'll keep that. Oh and it just kind of went on in, into the music business with us. Yeah,
1: yeah. What inspires your lyrics?
2: Everything inspires our lyrics. Fans, a, a lot of emotion, a lot of, a lot of life experiences happen. That that we've all kind of come together with, um, you know. Like there's a song on, on the album called "Used to Fly." Um, I lost my mom about four or five years ago, and it was it was around that time, you know, when, when you start thinking about things years later, and and I remember how I was, and, and she was always my biggest fan, and you know, when you don't have that person around, it's you know, it's a little tough.
1: Oh, yeah, that's and, very um, hard. Sorry to hear about
2: that. Oh, well, thank you. Um, but it, 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 it inspired me to to write. And that's a very unique song, actually, because Scoot was writing some stuff. I mean, he has gone through some, same, some of the same experiences, but he was writing some, some lyrics. And we talk every day, and there was a weekend that we were off, and we, we didn't talk all weekend. And he called me up that Sunday, and he was like, dude, you know, he said, what you been up to? And I said, ah, you know, actually I've been writing some stuff. I guess. He said, yeah, me too. And he, I said, really, I said, what do you have? And he read me the lyrics. And I said, oh, my God, what did you do with those? And he goes, I just threw them the trash. And I said, no, you got to get them out of the trash. Yeah. And he goes, well, why? Well, I read him my lyrics. We basically wrote the same song without speaking with each other.
1: Oh, wow, that's trippy. <laughs>
2: I mean, it wasn't word for word, but the meaning behind it was yeah. the same exact thing. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah.
2: And we were, we were both blown away about that. So, I mean, any, you know, anything, like, I don't care was, was written for our fans. There was a period of time, you know, you know, we would hear things that, you know, coming up through high school and everything, everybody was like, oh, well, you, know, you know, I get treated like this, I'm a freak, and people think this about me, and, you know, and I started going, you know what, just tell them you don't care. You just don't care. Tell them, I don't care, and it, every time I said that, I kept going. Huh, wait a minute. So then I, I ended, you know, ended up writing that song. So it's it, actually the music gets influenced by everything around us. No other time on everything,
1: Music industry. I mean, you guys have pretty much been active in the age of the internet. What are your biggest challenges for getting the music out to people?
2: Too many bands. There's definitely <laughs> no. a lot of bands. There.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, um, I, I think I think it's the ease of the access to to the internet. I think that's the biggest, and I think it's the biggest. That's probably the biggest challenge for all the bands. You know, we can't, none of the bands, we can't spend 24 hours on the internet trying to gain new fans. So, you know, you have to be a musician, you know, and I, we've learned a lot of the business side of of things. So you can't be a businessman and you can't be a musician all at the same time by being on the internet. So I think the biggest challenge with the internet is, is it's so, so populated that, you know, if you put something out there. Not everybody's going to get a chance to hear it, and 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 that's that's bad and good. You know, it's it's good because you know I've heard all the the stuff that happened in the '80s and how great it was and how much money there was out there. But I don't think it was really any different than what it is today because I think you still had the same issues back then. Except back then, you know, from from what I've heard, you'd put up a flyer and bands would come behind them and tear down their flyer and put their flyer up. <laughs> so it's kind of like the same thing but you know now you have the internet except you know here on the internet you can reach the world
1: yeah phone bills are a lot cheaper for bands these days i would imagine
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah flyers almost don't exist
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. and, and everything is emails and and facebook and so and, and facebook's tough you know twitter's tough you know, and those are the things that you have to stay on. And, there, and there's a lot of times we don't get a chance to get out and see all of our fans all the time. So we try to stay in contact with them on the Internet and, you know, and, and you know, talk to them on the Internet. You know, hold little little conversations with them, not just, hey, go buy our stuff or hey, buy our tickets or hey, like us here. You know, it's, we have a personal connection with with every single one of our fans.
1: No, that's great, Then the internet's a great tool for that, and, you know, being a band and knowing that your fans are that important is really, you know, a key for, for a band to make it in this business.
2: Oh, I, 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 we tell our fans all the time, if it wasn't for them, there would be no us. Yep.
1: So let's get into, uh, speaking of the internet and the music business and all, how did you guys hook up with da- uh, David Snowden, your manager?
2: Oh, um, that was a miracle actually, his wife was at a club that we were playing in. If you look at his wife, you would never expect her to be in, to like, Godsmack and Disturbed. And we had just got done sharing the stages with those bands. And what we like to do is, is we'll play, like, a song from the bands that we've all shared a stage with. Just as, you know, they, we'll, we'll pick one or two in the set and say, okay, well, we're going to play a Godsmack song because we opened up for them and this is us our way of, you know, thanking them and giving them respect. Well, you know, she started hearing us play and she came come over to me and she was like, you guys are amazing because you've got to meet my husband. My husband is going to love you. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, who's your husband? (laughs) He said, David Snowden. And I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) You know, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. (laughs) And then, um, she brought David out one time and David introduced himself to me and, and and we started to talk and we actually became friends For a while, and and you know, and then one day I went. He invited me over his house for dinner, and we went into his office, and just walking down the (laughs) hallway blew my mind. All these gold, platinum albums all the way down the hallway, and then into his office, and his office is full of them. And I'm like, "Who are you? (laughs) Exactly? (laughs) What did you do to get all this?" You know, and for the, like the last year we were talking about it and he was telling me things and, you know, one night we were in, in his in his garage, I, rem- I remember this it's clear as day, we were, you know, we just, we just had dinner and we were talking about some stuff, and he was asking about how the band was going and everything and I said, well, you know, we're doing really well, and, you know, we're starting to get out of state now and, you know, we're playing in Michigan and, and he's like, well, that's great, he, he said, you yeah. know, he said, you know, back in the day, you know, this this person at the door at this club, blah, 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 got Cinderella signed and blah, 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 got this band signed. And I'm like, oh, yeah, kind of like David Snowden could help Silver out, right? <laughs> and he looked at me with a serious look on his face, and he goes, let's have dinner tomorrow. And I went, uh, okay, whatever this means, but sure.
0: <laughs>
2: so we go out to dinner, and he said, you know, he said, ever since my wife, Told me about you guys and how much she liked you guys. And he goes, I'm not really into angry music, and I think your music's angry. And I'm like, nah, it's not really angry. And you haven't listened to some of the bands that I listen to. <laughs> Let me introduce you to Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, uh, he just said, You know, he said, um, he said I'm going to come to one of your rehearsals, and, I wanna, and I see it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to a lot more shows. We want to come you know, for the next month or so. He came out to shows, and came to rehearsals and and seeing how we were doing. He was watching us on the internet and seeing how we handle our business. And he he said to us, he said, you know, I want to help you guys out. He said, "I, I believe in what you guys are doing. He said, I'm watching how hard you guys bust your ass. He said, you guys are nonstop. You guys are just all over the place. He said, and that's what this world needs. This is how you're going to get stuff done. He said, I just wanted to make sure you guys are you know, one of those bands that was sitting at home waiting for somebody to knock on the door and give them a record deal. And I said, <laughs> Yeah, I don't see what that's going to happen. <laughs> so he, from that point on, he just came in and just, you know, he started helping us out and then he introduced us to certain people. And, and we, this last year, we created a great team, you know, between our radio guy and our publicist and, and David Ivory and Ted Jensen it's it these last four months have been totally insane because of david snowden you know, i mean he he just he he's done what he's done in his past and then he just you know we we always sit back and go we, we don't know what he's doing with us you know i mean he used to hang out with kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know we're like peons <laughs> opposed to that <laughs>
1: Yeah, he just started off as a fanboy, and, and uh, yeah, his story is just amazing. Um, and it's awesome oh, that he's yeah. he's a definite good friend to have on your
2: side. <laughs> um, David David is amazing. If, if he and, and the thing that we we like about David the most is he's not after money. He believes in the project, and he believes in us, and and that's way more. You can't buy that. That's the value on that just doesn't exist.
1: Oh sure, yeah. So what is next for you guys? What's next for Silver Tongue?
2: Touring. We, we want to tour as much as possible. <laughs> We're kind of waiting. We're kind of sitting back. There's a, a few tours that are, that are that are starting to be put together, and we kind of want to see where the, where the single is going to become really large, and we want to go to those places. And yeah. we know that's going to be touring, and it's going to be drudging touring, that's that's where we that's where we're the strongest you know we love being out on the road we, we love meeting new people and just playing in, in strings in different places that we just you know it, it's always great to come home because we have such a great fan base here no matter what happens out on the road you know we can always come home and expect love and support from all of our fans but it's cool to go out and and meet new fans and and build this and this thing the fans call it the tongue nation so we've just kind of kept going with it so we keep growing the tongue nation the more and more and more we go out to different states and, and um you know we just went to florida last year and we'd be welcome to rockville show and and that that branched out a, a huge amount of fans for us and like i said the family just keeps growing and growing and and that's, you know, we're, we're, what we're looking to do is, is just go out here now and, and meet. If it takes us to win over one fan at a time, we'll take one fan at a time. Certainly.
1: And where can people go to, uh, on the Internet uh, to learn more about Silver Tongue?
2: Um, www.silvertongue.com. And from there, you can go to any of our other networking sites like Facebook and Twitter. We're going to be putting out certain videos. We just released a video for uh, the single Never Too Late. We're also going to be putting out some behind-the-scenes stuff and, and how the song became where you know where it was to where it is and what we've done and so much more that's going to happen and, and that's going to happen within the next few months. We'll, we're going to release some, other, some of those videos as well.
1: well very cool. Well, thanks again, St- uh, Speed. I almost called you Steve there. Uh, Speed, Vincent, <laughs> from uh, Silver Tongue. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thanks
2: again. Dan, thank you so much for having us on, man. We really do appreciate it.
1: Thanks again to Speed Vincent for that great interview. We're gonna leave you with one more silver tongue song, this one called Coming Alive off of Devils in the Details. I've
3: been pissed off, pissed, I've never been pissed, slap like step, on, done wrong, man. This week is dragging on. Watch the clock, one volta wanna be here anyway. tock, watch the clock.
1: Live Radio, I'm your host, Dan Sauter, and we'll catch you next time.